Welcome to Woodland Church. Here is today's message. Well, let's get into the Word of God this morning. We are in a sermon series in First Thessalonians, and we have been in this series for the last several weeks, and we will be in this series. I don't know when this series will end, and I will tell you why, because in my studies this week, I really thought we were going to get through several verses, but in my study this week, I realized I can't get everything in in one sermon, and I didn't want to keep you guys until two o'clock today. So I thought, you know what, we're just going to break it down. So this week we are going to be uh, going through a few verses. We are still in chapter one, and if you are struggling with why pastor's taking so long, I'm more than willing to talk to you after service about that. So maybe we could have a you know, some coffee time, and we could talk more on the scriptures. I would love that here. But last week, we were in First Thessalonians verses 4 and 5, and I want to just read that real quick to you. It says this, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of man we prove to be among you. When Paul was writing to this church, he wanted to remind them that Paul was confident in God's love for them, and God has chosen them. And then Paul gives us a few examples real quick on how Paul knew that God was working in their lives, because the power of the Lord came, the Holy Spirit came, and the conviction came. And we talked last week about how, how we can know that God is working in our lives as well. And I really focused on this idea of conviction. When the Holy Spirit shows up within people's lives, and, and out of John chapter, I believe, uh, 17, Jesus talks about, or no, 15, Jesus talks about when the Spirit comes, he will convict this world of sin. And when his conviction comes, that is the power of God, and that is the work of the Holy Spirit upon our lives, of, of his Spirit coming and challenging us and convicting us of our sins, but the whole time pointing us to Christ and what he has done for us. Well, this week we are going to continue on, and I'm going to ask for you to stand this morning as we read 1 Thessalonians. We're going to start in verse 4, and we're going to read to the end of verse 8 says this, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of man we proved to be among you for your sake. In verse 6, And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. Let us pray this morning. Father, as we come to you, Lord, right now, Lord, I'm asking for your Holy Spirit to come and to be working in our hearts and lives, Lord. Father, help us to, to see you a little bit more clearly this morning and challenge us and encourage us through your word. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys may be seated here. 
So, like I said earlier, I was hoping to make it all the way through the rest of this chapter, uh, but we are going to be focusing in on the next three verses here. And um, my goal, I do want you guys to know this, that my goal is to get through First Thessalonians before Christmas. Okay, that's the... We got Christmas coming up. I don't want to spoil the Christmas season. We want to be, be focused on that here. But, and uh, I, um, I am excited about what the Lord has for us here. So let's, let's dive in. And this morning, we are just going to go verse by verse here. I have no elegant introduction. I want to just get right in to what the word says. In verse 6, Paul says this to the church. He says, and you became imitators of us, and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Now I want to remind you once again, and I'm going to remind you every week, how this church got started. Paul and Silas, they were on their second missionary journey, and they came to this town. And he was only there three weeks. And I want to just point that out. Paul and Silas came to these people for three weeks. And he taught, and he talked with them daily, ministering with them, taking questions, talking with them, sharing the gospel, pointing them to Christ. And he was only there three weeks. And when Paul writes back to them, he had sent Timothy to go to them and say, hey, Timothy, find out how are these people doing? I was only there three weeks. I I would like to hear how they are doing. So when Paul writes this letter, he's sending them encouragement. In the first, I'd say, three chapters, Paul is praising them on how their faith is and how they, they, they embrace Christ. And here, he is, he is saying to them how you guys became imitators of us and of the Lord. Now, Paul had no, no problems, no struggles with telling people to imitate him. I want you just to kind of like think about that as a believer. Do you, would you have any issue if you would meet someone, you'd share the gospel with them, and then they're saying, how do I live this life out? How do, how do I go, go forth as a Christian? How do, I, how do I follow Christ? Can you say to them, well, just follow me? And Paul had no issue saying that. He actually said that multiple times. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. Philippians 3, 17. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to, to the example you have in us. And then as Paul writes to his understudy, Timothy, he says this in First, first Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. He says, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers as an example in speech, in conduct, in faith, in purity. Paul would challenge people to follow him. Walk as I walk. Live as I walk. Live as I live. And when he writes to Timothy, he says, Timothy, I want you to be an example to the people 
as well. And I find this to be extremely challenging because, because as I look at Paul's life and how he had no issues telling people, follow me. Just live how I live. If you see what I'm doing, do what I do. And I just kind of think about that within our own lives sometimes, and within my own life. Do I want people to live as Jeff lives? Now, we'd all be crazy. Let's just make, make that crystal clear because I'm a little bit crazy. But it's like, think about that. Like, if you meet someone, and when somebody sees you as that example, can you confidently say, okay, how do you follow Christ? Well, I'm following Christ, and, and just simply follow me here. But as Paul writes to, to this church, to these people, these people had begun imitating Paul. And it says that. It says, for you, for you became imitators of us and of the Lord. Now, how did they become imitators? This is where I love how the word turns here. Pop back on verse 6. This is how they followed Paul. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. When Paul and Silas came to town to share the word with them, and we had looked at this many times in Acts 17, when Paul and Silas came to town, much affliction came. Paul and Silas ended up getting chased out of town, and the entire city was in a complete uproar. And Paul, as he writes to these people, and how are they imitating Paul, how are they following Paul, is that they received the word, the word of God, with much affliction and with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Now, it doesn't say exactly how the infliction happened, or what was happening to him, but we can only assume as we read the book of Acts, every town Paul goes into, he's either imprisoned, he's beaten, he's chased out of town, it, there is just persecution, there is issues everywhere Paul goes. And when this church comes to faith, Paul is praising them. You guys became imitators of me. When the word of God came to you, and when there was much affliction, you still received Christ. And you did it with much joy in the Holy Spirit. This is what is so amazing about God's Holy Spirit. Is that when there is conflict, when there is affliction, when there is persecution, His Spirit comforts and brings joy to believers. And we see this throughout all of Scripture. That, that God's church, God's people, especially within the New Testament, it is a book about suffering. It is a book about affliction. But the Spirit is always there to comfort his followers, to walk with them, and to bring them joy when their entire life is in chaos. In this town, the city was in a complete uproar. There was a mob chasing after the people that were, were housing Paul and Silas as they were there. But the church received Christ in the midst. They became followers of Jesus in the midst of affliction, in the midst of social unrest. They became followers of Christ. And as you read Acts, I love this account 
in Acts, because you are going to see this over and over with the apostles. They just got done preaching the gospel. The leaders of the town were once again not happy. They did not want to hear what they had to say. When Paul and when the apostles would come to town, they would have no issues calling out sin. They would have no issues going into, into areas and calling out their false gods and their idols and their sexual sins. And every sin they had no issue talking about. And they would come and they would talk about sin, but then they would highlight and talk about their need for a Savior and their need for Christ. Well, in Acts chapter 5, we get a, another example of God's people living this out. In verse 40, Acts 5.40, says, When they called in the apostles, they beat them. Just stop right there. When they called in the apostles, step one, beating. And charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. Verse 41. And they left the presence of the council, rejoicing, that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. I want you just to kind of get this image. They had come, come to town, they're preaching Christ. They get arrested. They get beaten, just beatings upon them. And they're rejoicing. And the leaders tell them, stop talking about Jesus. Stop preaching about Jesus. And what do they do? They leave rejoicing. They thought that it was an honor to suffer for the name. Because they knew that their Lord and their Savior suffered. That suffering and following Christ, they go hand in hand. But they continued on, and they continued on preaching and rejoicing and talking about Christ. First Peter chapter 4, verse 13, it says this, But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. There is something interesting about suffering for Christ. And I've talked about this a lot over the last two years, because last year we went through the book of Acts, and you just cannot avoid suffering and following Christ. And as you read the New Testament, it is, it is, it, it's just constantly there. Christ promises you, as you follow me, you will suffer. There will be suffering in this life. There will be many trials, but I will be with you throughout it all. But there's just this connection that following Christ and suffering, but then joy and rejoicing at what the Holy Spirit can do in our lives. And for this church and for, for, the, for these people, there's a reason that they're going through all of this. Because look at what happens as they came to Christ, which with much affliction and the joy of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 7. So that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere 
So we need not say anything. Their affliction, their suffering, was an example to other churches. And Paul says, like, like you guys were this amazing example to these other churches. And, and people have been talking about how you guys faced affliction and you guys walked through it with the joy of the Holy Spirit. They were this amazing example. They were this encouragement to other believers. Have you ever thought about how we suffer and how we walk through suffering becomes an example to our brothers and sisters in Christ? Like, when suffering comes, whether it would be because of our faith in Christ, or, or, or I would argue just, just simply suffering in life, like just life alone has enough trials and suffering going on, deaths and, and just issues and, and struggles, and how you suffer. Oh, you can become an example to your brothers and sisters. Last summer, in the midst of COVID, I want to talk about a guy that became a real encouragement to me personally as a pastor. Last summer, many churches in the U.S. were forced to close, and many churches remain closed. If you guys remember this time, I know in Michigan, many churches were closed kind of like the last part of March and April and kind of into May here. Well, in other parts of our country, um, mainly California and New York, they were forced to close. Michigan, we, we could open up May, May, May 7th without being prosecuted or, you know, getting fines. But out in, out in California, there was a pastor by the name of, of uh, John MacArthur, and maybe some of you have followed this story. But John MacArthur is a pastor out in California, and when... It was time to close down in March. The church closed, and they kind of went online. Well, then they, as the summer went on, people started showing up to church. People just started coming back. And so John opened up church. And John became, like, he was all over every major news cast station last summer. And people, I mean, like, people were, were, were basically interviewing him and, and basically challenging him. And, and John just... He just opened back up, and the city was not nice to John. Uh, they took away his parking. He had, he had a, uh, a, a, an agreement with the city for his people to park uh, on, on the city. And then the state of California started fining him $1,000 a service. So every Sunday that he would hold a service, he'd get fined $1,000. Well, John was on one of the major newscast. Um, he was on all of them, CNN to, 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 uh, to uh, Fox here. And they were, were asking John, John, have you been personally threatened by your governor? Has he personally threatened you? And John said, well, he hasn't personally threatened me, but he has sent letters to the church that uh, we will be fined and I could be imprisoned for up to six months. And John said this, he said, apart from Christ Jesus, my biblical hero is Apostle Paul. He said, when Apostle Paul went into towns, he didn't ask what the hotels looked like. He asked what the jail was like because he knew that is where he was going to spend his time. If they want to toss me in jail, I'm open to jail ministry. I've done, I've done other ministry, but I haven't had any, oppor any opportunity to do that one yet. So bring it on. And he said it with a smile, and he had joy. 
And I was sitting there, and, you know, I was encouraged by John because of several months later, our state had another lockdown in November, and um, I was meeting with our local pastors, and basically every church in the city of Marquette was going to close down. And I was thinking about John's words, and I realized John's, John's persecution and John's suffering, it's not like China here, right? You know, like, say, I, I understand there is a huge difference of, of what believers in this country go through compared to our brothers and sisters in Christ in the Middle East that get thrown off of buildings and burned alive, and they come in and, and they slaughter pastors. And, you know, so, so I understand that there is a major difference between our little bit of persecution compared to what was happening worldwide here. But in November, I was thinking about John's words. That John said, we got to gather. And at, and at one point in time, John said, I need to obey God rather than man. And as I was thinking about this in November, when every other church was closing down and we decided to stay the course, John's words, John's words brought encouragement to me as a pastor. I was thinking about him, and, and I'm like, he's getting fined $1,000 a service. Now, the state of California got sued, and Newsom had to pay $1.3 million back in fines. So I believe John got his money back, praise the Lord, or the, uh, the, the church did. But watching John, Pastor John, just say, listen, I'm, I need to obey the Lord. God commands us to gather, and we're going to walk in that. It brought encouragement to me as a believer. I thought, you know what? We need to walk as that is. We need to always follow Christ and follow God, no matter how the world around us is. And like what I said, I realize this isn't really persecution, right? I mean, you know, these days and even within the midst of just COVID, we didn't have any governmental persecution happening here. But I do know this, there was social pressure. And, and many of you guys probably, probably felt this and probably seen this around our world. There has been social pressure for the last year for us to not do this. That gathering should not take place. That we should... Stay away. But I think as we follow Christ. And now, you know, whether you agree with where our government's going or just simply disagree, I think that there is something amazing about when his church comes together. I don't know if you guys re remember those two and a half months of staying home and, and not being with believers. But the first Sunday, I was back in a church with believers. There was encouragement, and there was joy, and, and you could sense that this is where God desired for his people to be. But, but it is amazing that when believers suffer, when there is affliction, when there is trials, and when believers walk through those trials in joy, you become an example to other brothers and sisters. You encourage them. You bring them hope you bring them joy. There is such a powerful example when believers can walk through affliction. And I know our affliction here in the U.S. right now is still nothing. But I do know this. For us to think that it's not coming. I mean, there is already social pressure around us. 
when it comes to churches right now. There is, there is constant social pressure about who churches are and what they believe and what we stand for and how we place authority upon God's word. The world doesn't like it. The world challenges it. But as we as believers gather and cling to Christ, I will say this, you will, you will become an example to other brothers and sisters. You will become encouragement to them. They will realize that they can too also face afflictions and face social challenges. And we can walk in joy with the Holy Spirit. I think about Acts chapter 20. I want to share one more, one more words with you. This comes from Apostle Paul here. Acts 20, verses 18 through 24. The church had faced many afflictions. They were faced with many difficulties. But watch how this plays out here. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time for the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to the Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there. Verse 23. Except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not count my life of any value, nor as, I, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul lived a life. He was one of the ultimate examples that we can lean on in this life. Every town that Paul went to, there was, there was problems, afflictions and trials. But Paul had this sense within him, my only calling, my only goal, my only thing that I have to do is to finish this race that is before me, and I am here to testify of the gospel of Christ. I'm here to share with the world around me, no matter what is happening, no matter how many afflictions come, no matter how many social pressures there is, my only goal is to finish this race to testify to this world about the gospel. And the Holy Spirit has already told me that there will be affliction, that there will be trials. And I think for us, church, today, as we live in 2021, I just want to give encouragement to you guys. You know, we're not living as Paul lived. You know, Paul was flogged and beaten. He was stoned at one point in time. There was multiple times he was dragged out of cities at night. We're not facing those, but I do think that, that this example, that how you and I face afflictions, face trials, face challenges within our life, we are examples. We are encouragement to one another. You know, there, it, 
it's so powerful when you see a brother and sister facing trials as you are and watching them walk through them and watching them go through it with the joy of the Spirit. Because believers know that our lives really do not matter. That, that, that as a follower of Christ, it's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about my wants and my little desires and my little kingdom that I want to be building here. It's about Christ. And it's about pointing this world to Christ at every opportunity that we have, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's difficult. But I believe that as we do that, we become examples and, and we encourage one another. And, and wouldn't, wouldn't it be a little bit crazy, like, if our church, if, like, Woodland Church, if, if, like, other churches had found out about, like, our church, like, hey, like, you know, they're gathering and, and they're walking in faith and they're, they're suffering, but they're walking in joy of the Spirit. Here, this church became an example everywhere. That people were like talking about that church and about those people. And you could sense that there was just this encouragement that it brought to them. And I hope, church, that we don't have to face afflictions as what, as what Paul faced, right? Like, you know, it, I'm not asking for that. But I, I do know that, that as a believer, we have to be mentally and spiritually ready that, Lord, whatever happens, Whatever happens to this world around us, my hope and my focus is going to be on you and on you alone. My hope is not on anything else. It's not in money. It's not in my home. It's on you. So that when afflictions come or when the social pressures really hit home, we can walk in joy. And we can say, listen, we're, we are simply here just to finish this race that is before us, to testify, to to, to, to share this good news about Christ with everyone. Everyone we come in contact with, we want to point them to the Savior that we need and that they need. And I hope that we, as a church, can walk like that. That we can live those words out. That we can be an encouragement to others. Because I know, I know right now, if, if you do not know this, but churches and believers are struggling right now. They need encouragement. They need to see godly examples. Because there is many people in this country, and even within Marquette County, that are feeling discouraged in their faith. And you can be an example to them. You can be that hope to them. Letting them know you can walk with joy in the Spirit. Having confidence in Him and Him alone. I'm going to ask you to stand, and I want to pray for us this morning. And the worship team is going to come back up. And I'm going to pray that we will be a church that can walk as, as the church that Paul is writing to in Thessalonians. Let me pray this morning. Father, as we re read your word this morning, Father, encourage us and challenge us. Father, I desire to be... Your, your child that can face afflictions, that can face challenges. Lord, that I can walk in them in your peace and in your joy that you give to us through your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray, Lord, that we would be a church of examples, that we would be examples to, to our family and friends and to other churches in this community. 
that, Lord, that we are following you no matter what. That our hope is in you. And Lord, may your joy and may your peace and may your comfort that you give through your Holy Spirit come and rest upon us always. Father, we give you praise this morning. Lord, as we, as we sing our closing song, may you encourage us through your Spirit. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.